All Days Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 27, Monkey Business, from 1998. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And I have five pages of single-spaced type notes in Word. But before we get to this movie, which is, aside from American Honey, my favorite Shia LaBeouf movie <laughs> of all time, I do want to have like a quick touch base in terms of X-Files. So I watched the X-Files episode that he did chronologically between this and Hounded. Uh, oh. It's from the seventh season. Shia, it's it's the last Mulder season before David Duchovny leaves. And then I okay. guess eventually comes back at the very end. He Shia plays a kid. I don't know why I'm laughing. Shia plays a kid whose liver is failing and he's dying. Oh. And there's this guy in his building, like his building supervisor, his super, who wants to raise money to save this kid's life. And so Shia's not the one like with the power. He's not the one the X-Files happening to. He's just a dying kid. But he's got a decent-sized part. I, I sent you a screenshot of what he looks like. He is... Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks about the same age as he does in Monkey Business. You know, it's within a year, I think. It, it's a it's a pretty sizable part. And, like, he, uh, he doesn't do anything exceptional, but he's, like, really good. Like, you know, he's 12 or 13 years old. And so... It was cool to see him. Like, it was worth watching the episode for him. So if you want to check yes. him out in The X-Files, Season 7, I think, Episode 6, The Goldberg Variation. And it's a good episode overall, so check it out. Nice. All right. But this movie, who boy. Oh boy. I love this movie with all of my heart. Yeah, I think we can both agree on that. This was quite an unexpected surprise. The one thing I want to keep in mind that I just told friend of the network, Jordan Paul and Clark, I said, you have to watch this movie because you are going to love this movie. (laughs) And the one thing I told her, and the one thing I'm going to tell everybody whenever I make them watch this, is keep in mind that this movie is rated G. Okay. Because there is crazy amounts of gunfire, (laughs) hand-to-hand combat. Making out on the couch in their underwear? Yep. People boning mm-hmm. on the couch in their underwear. Kind of hardcore prison scenes. Mm-hmm. Kidnapping. Peeing on people. Tinkling. Oh, God, there's all sorts <laughs> of wonderful things. And this is ostensibly a kid's movie. I mean, I knew that we were in for something special when the movie started, and it began with Ted Fox Presents a Ted Fox Production. <laughs> and then the opening credits are basically in Comic Sans, multicolored, bouncing in from the top of the screen. Yeah. I knew that this was either going to be my favorite or my least favorite movie that we've done, and who it is my favorite. Yeah, I pretty much, from the credits as well, knew exactly what I thought we were getting into. Oh my god, like, between the Seinfeld bass that is just <laughs> non-stop, like, garage band loop music, scoring this movie the entire time, to, I think this is the first movie I've seen where the director's credit comes before the costume designer's credit (laughs) and and then more credits like it is beyond i mean even for kids movies i have theories about this first my first theory was someone slipped me acid Mm -hmm. but i watched this alone in a house with no one else so i knew that wasn't what happened my theory going through this was this had to be sort of a situation where maybe it was like a rich kid's birthday gift, like, I'll make you your own movie that you can show your friends, sort of like that girl who recorded the song Friday. You know, you go to this recording studio and we'll make anybody a, a top ten single. <laughs> and this is just like, come to our studio, we'll make your kid a movie for his birthday. Because Shia's in it, like, down the line, it got notoriety somehow, or at least people found out about it. But, I mean, this is up there, like, I don't... It, I, 
I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't even know. I'm at a loss sometimes. But like this goes into the category for me of like best of the worst. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. Those guys at Red Letter Media. Or Vaguely, anything, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this would be right up there with something that uh, I think those guys would love. And I mean, I just relish it. I mean, it's like Troll Two level at points yeah. where yeah. you can feel how honest and earnest the filmmakers are, but they're missing their mark by miles and miles. This is a movie, I guess it must be known in the the realm of bad movies, because when Jordan ordered it on Amazon today, it said, items you also might like, and it showed her Zardoz and Perfect and Streets of Fire and some other movie, and that, like another How Does It Get Made movie. And so these are all movies that people, I guess, know about. I just, I'd never heard of it. But mm. I have some things... Before we get into the actual movie, I have some facts about this movie that might blow your mind. Just that Jay Thomas was in this blew my mind, because, I mean, I knew him from the 80s and sitcoms and being a comic writer, and I was just wondering how deep in gambling debts he must have been. Or, who knows, maybe he had children that he was trying to impress, but hit me with some facts. Well, the first one, and this is, I'm going to sort of, I'm going to try to ascend the ranks of how unbelievable these are. Did you notice that the main kid, one of the main kids, not Rico, but the other one, the black kid, he's X-Ray from Holes? Get out of here! Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I, I thought the other kid kid seemed familiar too so rico he's only been in this he has only been in this movie so that kid is oh, never, never mind again. <laughs> the main girl marla th- these aren't like mind-blowing facts these are just sort of we're getting there yeah the main girl marla who is pretty terrible she's only been in two things in her life and this is the second one so she never acted again after this okay but i mean the, the main thing is that shia and x-ray are teamed up here as a pre-union for holes Fact number two, the director of this movie, Paulette Victor Lifton, she's had like a, like a really big, long, you know, storied career in Hollywood. She has like almost 200 credits. What? Guess what she does most of the time? Like what role in a movie she does? Like what's her job? Yeah, title? like, yeah, yeah. Um, she's directed Caterberg? about like 15 things. No. <laughs> she's directed about 15 things, but she's got 180 credits in the sound department. I don't believe that. I do. That is a the lie. The sound in this movie That's a is lie. the best and the worst thing about it because <laughs> there are scenes where you just can't hear dialogue. There is the wackiest music. There's all wacky sound effects. I mean, I love it so much, but she has 180 sound credits. <laughs> and shit. then she co-wrote the movie with two other guys. And one of the other guys, you know, he is predominantly a sound department guy, too. That's so, such a lie, dude. I get, oh, man, you weren't... Uh, my mind is blown. That's not like even Dr. the craziest Strange. thing. Oh, no. So now, the most crazy, the craziest thing is that Ted Fox... A Ted Fox production. <laughs> He's the third co-writer of this movie, okay? Okay. He also plays Zipper. Oh, really? The yes. agent? I thought you were going to say he plays the scary old guy at the end that was Files Dude or File Guy, the hacker. No, Okay, no. okay, because I totally thought that that guy, I'm like, yep, he's attached to this somehow. <laughs> He plays Zipper, who's basically on screen all the time, just with what appears to be hookers. I don't know. Like, yeah, and he just... looks like a vampire. Scary yes, dude. he is the the core of this. But the craziest thing about this man is he was a producer on Deadfall, and Whoa. then he's a producer on The Frozen Ground and Inconceivable and Southern Fury, which are two Cage movies coming out next year. He's a producer on Exposed, that Keanu Anna de Armas movie that came out this year. And, I mean, he's got, like, I think over 100 producing credits. He's an executive producer on the new Scorsese movie, Silence. Holy shit. So to see this guy go from monkey business 
to what is probably one of the front runners for best picture this year in silence this guy has had a journey like this <laughs> is unbelievable i'm stunned like i'm speechless <laughs> i'm just this is bizarre i mean wait man look good for him right yeah. american dream right american here dream. He, he cobbled this together at the end they make a joke that it was like directed by a monkey but i was like that's not a joke like this was, seems like it was directed by a monkey but i mean uh, somehow ted fox way to go dude the last thing i want to say before we actually get into this movie is that if you look this up on imdb the summary is it's a movie about a chimpanzee and that's all it says and that's not true and that's not true. There's a monkey in a couple scenes that has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> the flagrancy of this false advertising, the likes of which have not been seen since Deadfall's box art. <laughs> it's like clearly they have a slip cover for another movie concealing the real cover to Deadfall. Like, no, this, this is not a monkey movie. We got a Warren Monkey Club, by the way. I tried to get a Monkey Club crossover for this, and the schedules just didn't work out, but I know that those guys need to see this movie. I don't know if this necessarily fits in with the Monkey Club criteria. I think the whole point of that podcast is, like, where monkeys are integral to the plot, Mm -hmm. and it's just not. I mean, they're integral to the plot in that the song that they record, the Cobras record at the end, and that plays over the closing credits is called Monkey Business, and that plays over the DVD menu is called Monkey Business. But that's about Mm -hmm. it. A monkey needed to be a full-time member of the Cobras for this to be considered a monkey movie, I feel. (laughs) You know, it's, yeah, they got to be a main character, not just a muse in one or two scenes. So this movie feels like, I don't know how to best say this, but it feels like someone wanted to make a David Lynch movie, but keep it rated G. Holy crap, man. I can't believe you said that because I wrote down Nightmare of Lynchian Proportions at one point. Yeah. Insane. Okay, so what David Lynch does in terms of at least Inland Empire and that show about the rabbits within Inland Empire, it's sort of like a send-up in like a really creepy, disturbing way of like 50s sitcoms. Not like we saw in True Confessions where she's like, that's her ideal life, but just like clearly what's a set Clearly, like this is not like a real apartment. This is just, you know, if you zoom, if you take one step back, you'll see the edges of the wall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. Like, I, <laughs> if this movie was a little bit more self-aware, I would be like, oh, that's what they're going for. But maybe it is. I don't like. It's unsettling to watch this movie at times because, like, yes. everything is so overtly fake that it just feel it makes you feel uncomfortable. And it's amazing. Like, it's astounding <laughs> how creepy this movie is without trying to be creepy. I don't think. No, no. Like, that's the thing. I don't think any. Uh, I think it's like in trying to be good. You know, like I, they're trying their hardest in a sense. Like, it doesn't feel like a situation where they're going for camp or anything like that. Like, I think they're being very honest in what they're doing but they just don't really know exactly what they're doing. I mean, this script is terrible. No. You know, <laughs> like all over the place. I disagree. If you judge a script based on how much stuff happens in this movie, this is the best movie of all time because okay. there are so many plots <laughs> that have nothing but, to do with each other. But it's too much to handle for this director for what they want to do. I mean, there, there's just too much going on for a G-rated kids film. Like, this needed to be R. I mean, it starts with a shootout for mm-hmm. crying out loud and ends with a kidnapping of a yep. kid. What are they trying to do here? Who was this? You know, who's going to be allowed to see this? Like, I don't even think Mormons would let their kids watch this. <laughs> it, it, I, I definitely got a creepy vibe because being removed from from this all. Like, I, I don't know. I just definitely picked up on that too, and that was also part of 
the hilarity of it. Everyone is just bad, <laughs> and it comes across as bad. And and this director, it's their fault ultimately, <laughs> I think, right? Is but again, we don't know what. Like maybe she is the next David Lynch, or was trying to be. Oh God, I, I could I, totally see that as well. I don't know. I really just, I just don't know. Oh, they also spell Shia's name wrong in the credits. <laughs> okay. There's an A in there that's not in his actual name, so or like it's in the middle, like it's the bout. They butcher his name in this. So there's one thing that I noticed. This is not necessarily an indictment of this movie because what I'm about to say I notice in a lot of movies, but there are a few different sound effects used in so many movies, and whenever I hear them, it just takes me out of it. So there's one that they use in the opening scene in this movie where the cop. So there's a guy who's also who's referred to as both police chief. And police captain. That <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he is, but there's. I don't know. Actually, it's not this guy. And isn't he it's, a detective it's, also? It's, it's probably it's Chief Angel. Well, there's also this. Is, I actually I confused. I got ahead of myself. This is Marla's dad. I think in the opening scene. Yes, I think so. I don't actually. I have I, honestly. It's, it's hard. Know. It's hard keeping people tra- straight. Yeah. You know what threw me? Okay, so he's a cop, but he has a Dalmatian. Yeah. That's a fireman's dog. It is, is a fire that dog. supposed to be funny, or that to me felt like not a joke? What kind of dog does the police have? Oh, like a Dalmatian. All right, get us a Dalmatian. Well, like, we couldn't find a German Shepherd, so, like, let's just, uh, you know, let's just get this dog. Like, we, we just need a dog. Like, we have a dog in the script <laughs> for no reason, so let's just have a dog. So there's this guy waiting. He's, like, staking out a building or something. There's this sound effect that comes over the radio. It's just this female dispatcher saying, like... It's almost like Wilhelm scream prolific. (laughs) Like, it is everywhere. So there's that one. And so when I first heard that, I was like, oh, this is a movie that, like, this, one of the first things we hear is this sound effect. Like, they just do not care about originality. There's another sound effect that's not in this movie, a semi-truck going by you on the highway, and it's like a horn that, like, passes you, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. another horn as the, the truck goes down the road. Like, I don't know if you know that sound. It's like, Dah, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. So it's, <laughs> there's that one. And then there's a baby cry that I've heard, like, the same baby cry mm, which is that I've heard in hundreds of movies. And those three sound effects, whenever I hear them in the movie, it just takes me out of it. And this one, one of the first sound we hear is that female dispatcher that is used in basically every cop movie every i think specifically like la cop movies i don't know it's just jarring how like and i feel like if you don't watch as many movies as like if you're like a normal person you might not hear it in all these things you might not pay attention to it because it's not there to stand out it's just there to be like to add noise like another layer to the background but i've heard it so many times and nobody knows what I'm talking about, and so I needed to say it here within the context of this movie, that if you watch this movie after you listen to this, and I really hope you do because it's wonderful, listen to that and then listen for that in other movies because it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat in that opening sequence, I too noticed some amazing use of sound effects that kind of just boggled my mind. Because, like, they have the guy with the Uzi and those muzzle flashes, and they have, yep. like, a that token oozy sound just like mm-hmm. the I don't even know if it belongs to that gun I don't think it does <laughs> and then to sort of counterbalance the violence I feel like once they get to the rooftop fight every time the cop lands a punch it sounds like a hammer hitting a nail yep. and, and the crook is like he's got like the slippery feet sound effects you hear in cartoons when yeah. like, you're running in place so this thing is all over the place they just were just like throwing this thing together with you know glue and tack and just whatever they could find. So the only thing that makes sense to me is that they were making a G-rated movie, and keep in mind this movie is rated G. They were making a G-rated movie, and this movie opens up with no kids 
it's with a gunfight between two grown men. <laughs> I feel like the way that they, the only way that they could justify keeping this G-rated is that, like, look at all these wacky sound effects that we're mm. going to add. Like, one of them runs into a door, and it literally doinks on his nose. Yep. And then there's the wacky sound effects for the feet. And then, like, the, when the guy, like, falls off the building, I don't remember if it's this scene or a later scene, like, his arms are waving in the air, and it's, like, doing, like, the Tweety Bird, like, twinkle, like, <laughs> it's insane. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny, because, like, that would be traumatic, I think, for kids, you know, five and six years old or whatever to watch this movie. What, yeah. I don't know why that's in there, other than, like, hey, kids, like, it's a cartoon. Like, it's, like, you know how Shoot 'em Up was a live-action Bugs Bunny movie? Like, that's this <laughs> movie, but just without the grace and without the actual styling to make that, like, a viable, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just take that scene out of the movie and it might be G-rated or put it somewhere toward the end, but it, to open with that, it would be shocking. It shocked me. I wouldn't let, you know, my five-year-old niece watch this or something. Like, it's just shocking to open this way. It's very strange. And then it, it's not like the rest of the movie is light either, you know? They're dealing right away with part of the crew has moved away, I guess, but and so... But they're the, talking about him like he died. Yeah, and I'm not even sure. It's parts of this movie feel like it's a sequel. <laughs> you know, like, they refer to shit that's happened before, and you're just like, what? Wait, I'm supposed to know that someone, they busted some guy for stealing a dog in, in a movie before this, I guess, and that was Richard Mole, and that's why he was in jail, and he's going to get out soon, so they better watch out because, you know, he's coming to kidnap you it's like kidnapping kids loss of your best friend trying to replace them with a new guy not trusting strangers like this is some heavy material for g-rated films this i feel like hounded should have been g-rated compared to this you know g-rated movie is trying to watch your neighbor's dog and that right. dog sort of ruining your house or why not try and watch the monkey for an afternoon and make the monkey run amok yeah not like setting up a guy for stealing a dog and sending him to prison. Like, it's... Oh, boy. But yeah, so the, the main girl, Marla, is walking down the street with her friends, Rico, and what's this other kid's name? What's what's X-Ray's name in this movie? Timothy. And they're walking down the street, <laughs> and she's talking about these traumatic experiences, and you have to crank your stereo up for this, because, like, they're so far away, and I feel like the only microphone was on the camera, and mm -hmm. so you can sort of vaguely hear what they're saying, and I want to hear it so desperately, because <laughs> she's delivering these lines, like, with all the somber everything. Apparently their friend is in a truck on the street that they're just like, you know, they don't pay attention to until it leaves and then they sort of like cry again but they're talking about like replacing him with this kid named Wyatt whose dad is like super cool and he teaches at the university and like Wyatt's like the real deal and they're going to initiate him and she's like the body's not even cold yet like you know the body's still warm like let's not talk about this yet I'm like what is going on and she's delivering lines like she's delivering Shakespearean like I don't know if you noticed like her like stilted like lyrical delivery she's not <laughs> speaking like she's supposed to be in this movie. And I understand that she's like a 10 or 12 year old girl, so like I don't want to, like, I'm not blaming her, but right. somebody had to be like, why are you talking like this? Like, it's like she did a play in middle school, and then was like, okay, I can do a movie. And cool, like, that's fine, like, you're doing a great job for a 10 or 12 year old, but you're speaking, like, in this, like, iambic pentameter when no one else is, and it's amazing. Yeah, she's bringing her own style to this whole thing. <laughs> she's just doing whatever she wants, mostly like everyone else. What's also amazing about this is, like, they hang out at some rundown factory that they've converted into a cool clubhouse with neon signs and furniture, and that's where their band supposedly practices and everything. That's when they're, they're like, telling her about Wyatt, 
who's new from New York and is apparently a super hacker at the age yeah. of 10, which was my favorite part of this whole thing. Oh, we are going to get into oh, that. Oh, boy. That was great. This poor girl, like, I don't... <laughs> I feel really bad because, like, they shoulder so much of the movie on her when it's just not necessary. Like, they, she's got these other two guys <laughs> and Shia. Let them just take some of the brunt of this for a while. But it's like, no. Like, if you got to categorize the kids in some way, I'd say, like, Shia is the hacker and she is just depressed. Like, that's her character trait. That's not G-rated for me. I don't know. Well, her parents go away, and we're going to get to that. I don't know where they go. They're gone <laughs> forever. She She's basically just left on her own. Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna get back to her. I just want to go in order because I don't want to miss anything about this movie. So we don't know that yet. The next scene we meet the dog catchers. Oh, These boy. guys give off a vibe of like guys up to no good, but they are 100% good guys. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. One guy is doing like a military style crawl across the grass. Then there's this other guy, huge guy, That's shirt a- unbuttoned skull earring in his ear throws a net over a dog like the weakest smallest slimmest net that if this dog stood up the net would fall off they're just capturing a dog in the park and i was like oh is this movie gonna be about like two guys stealing dogs and like kids have to crack the case but no these guys are basically in their band in their gang they're part of the cobras well they become part of the cobras i think is what happened i'm trying to follow this just like you are believe me but here's what i sort of made of it is that they were criminals they like got arrested for something and then they got these jobs as their reform to you know it's like their job once they got out of prison and oh right yeah because their boss is the guy who's in prison yeah the their boss, boss is right, like right, still, right. yeah and so they became dog catchers except that they're catching dogs at this point they're catching dogs that they're not supposed they're just taking whatever but I think that's just because they don't know what they're doing yet they eventually become best friends with the Cobras at some point but this big fat guy is like a Sopranos extra and even sounds like one of them it's insane they're totally played like some Laurel and Hardy thing with the two of them it is bonkers it's just I don't even know where to go (laughs) they're they're amazing so like a couple things that they say to each other in this scene and nothing really has any context they're Mm -hmm. talking about how like dogs can communicate with one another and then like you think they got a pooch internet that doesn't make sense like they're the pooch internet that they're talking about is like some kind of like web that they can like dial into with their minds and communicate to each other like i don't know what that's about and then the other guy says defensively you know i've always got enough sandwiches for my picnics and that sounds like a euphemism for something, but no, he's literally talking about bringing sandwiches for picnics. <laughs> like, there's no, that's like a wink, wink, this is a sex joke thing. Like, he's literally talking about, don't mock me when I go out for picnics, you know I always come prepared. Well, I wouldn't put it past you to think that was some sort of euphemism for something, because I feel like we will get a overt sex joke soon during the babysitting sequence. Probably, oh, oh my god, yes, 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 yes. They're also talking about skinning dogs for some kind of, like, serum, right? To be honest, look, at this point, I was still kind of trying to get my bearings on what was happening and what I was watching and listening really close and stuff. So uh, a lot of this was just I'm watching in stunned silence and then I will burst (laughs) out into sort of a fit of laughter until I can't breathe and then I'll just sort of stare stunned again for a while. I have to pause this movie four or five times because this movie requires a level of concentration (laughs) unmatched by a lot of movies by most movies that I've seen that if you want to try to follow what's going on and really like enjoy it to its fullest potential 
you have to pay 100% attention to this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because nothing relates to anything else, but everything feels like it could or should, and everything feels important, even though nothing's important. And so you just want to hear what these two guys are talking about. Or like later in prison, he was selling dogs for skin substitution serum. And that doesn't make any sense. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) There's no context. And these guys are talking about, like, you know, skinning dogs. Keep in mind, this movie is rated G. A movie for kids is talking about stealing and killing dogs and then skinning them to, like, turn into a serum. Like, what? (laughs) It's, yeah, it's my, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it's nuts. It feels like every scene is the most important scene at the time and then completely forgotten about. Like, it just goes on from, like, a scene-by-scene basis in a very strange way that it's almost, like, loosely linked together somehow with this weird series of story events that they got going on like okay so she has like the normal babysitter but then prefers to level up for the police captain what's weird about the movie and you're right is that like nothing has it feels like nothing has anything to do with the the scene that comes before or after it but somehow and not i'm not saying that it makes sense but somehow they tie all these narratives together. Like, they all converge on a point, which is kind of impressive, because up until the end of the movie, it feels like nothing has anything to do with each other. Like, it seems like there's, like, mm-hmm. this group of guys, and these group of kids, and then this girl's going through her own things, and then Shy is doing his own thing. All of that somehow, miraculously, comes together. It doesn't pay off, but <laughs> you, you can at least sort of say, oh, now I know why X, Y, and Z happened in the movie. Yeah, they do have some miracle of resolution towards the end there. I'll give it that. So then we cut to the girl's house, and the parents are leaving. And I don't know, do we know where they're going? I have no idea, except that she really doesn't want them to go, and the parents really don't care that she doesn't want them to leave. They're, like, laughing at her. They're like, oh, your favorite show's on tonight. Like, don't worry. She's like, my best friend just moved away. Yeah. They're like, sucks for you. They leave before the babysitter shows up, which makes no sense. (laughs) If you're going to leave her alone for, like, an amount of time, like, just leave her alone. Or wait for the babysitter. But they leave, and I'm like, oh, they're going to be gone for the night. They're gone for the entire movie, which spans days, if not weeks? Yeah, I think it's weeks. Where do they go? I don't know. They just take off on vacation? They're on vacation, but we don't know where. I think we find out later. Why didn't they bring her? That's a great question. Like, you're not allowed to take long vacations when you're a parent with, like, a 10-year-old kid. Like, you signed up for this life. Bring her along. I have one... Okay, maybe. And I'm just throwing this way out there. They're undercover agents? Oh, I like that a lot. And they had to go... You know, they're doing some stakeout or something? The only time we check in with them again is, like, toward the end of the movie when they call the police captain and they can't get through to his cell or his pager or whatever, and then they call his office and they leave, like, the weirdest, lamest, most awkward voicemail and they, they develop southern accents or something? I don't... Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know what is going on with them. And if there wasn't so much other crazy stuff happening in this movie, I would want to dive in deeper with them. But they leave the movie yeah. and whew, they, we're, we're gone. But before they leave, there's some babysitter that's coming over. The girl does not like it. It seems like she doesn't like any babysitter but she especially doesn't like this one. Maybe because her friends think she's cute? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But this is the only babysitter left She had the, who the girl has not karate chopped. Line in the movie. And the dad says, and I quote, there are a lot of creepy guys around here that'd like to kidnap you. 
and his wife is like, don't say that to her. Like, what are you... Like, that almost feels like an improv line, and the actress is just like, wait, what are you... Like, what are you saying now? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was one of the producers touched. Say this line. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Ted Fox special. Oh That's one of his God. lines. He, I mean, what a creepoid. <laughs> and the guy's a police guy, right? Like, he's a, he's a police officer, because if I'm to take it, he was the guy in the pursuit in the opening of the movie and he's the same guy that is blackmailed for embezzlement later in the movie so yes. <laughs> it's a good thing he's away on vacation it's like conveniently out of the country okay i think That's... he did it okay so the the main plot in this movie and i want to know <laughs> if i got this right is that these two guys are in jail and they're pissed at this group of kids yep. who sent them there tedesco your guy from the 80s jay fox no not jay fox uh, jay thomas jay thomas He's pissed at the kids for sending him to jail, and then he gets this, like, real big bruiser of a guy, and then he sort of convinces him to be his muscle and help him out. Yeah, so that guy, uh, Richard Mole, was Bull from Night Court. So you got, like, Jay Thomas, who was a barfly from Cheers, and Richard Mole, who was the uh, security guard or whatever at uh, Night Court, and yeah, somehow they're here they are as, like, these two criminals. And so the plot of the movie is that they're going to get out of prison, and they're going to blackmail, not blackmail, but, like, yeah, blackmail. This, blackmail <laughs> frame this girl's dad for opening a Swiss bank account with a whopping $50,000 in it. You know, a lot of money, $50,000. And then they're going to set him up so that ostensibly they can kidnap the daughter? Well, I think the idea was that they were going to frame the dad right. and disgrace him. But okay. he's out of... He's out of town. So in the meantime, the kids are, like, getting too close to figuring <laughs> out, like, the new scheme. The, girl, cr- the girl cracks the case. Yeah. And so what they have to do is also frame the Captain Sergeant Detective guy. The babysitter. Babysitter, guardian angel, slash right. oh police God. officer, mm-hmm. slash all that. When that, when he's like, you can't do that, like, then they kidnap him and the girl for I'm not sure what I think they're gonna let him go after they get the money but Richard Mole's like no one's gonna pay you any money or something like (laughs) uh, yeah it's very hard to pinpoint in the meantime as they're hatching their plot in prison we find out about Shia and what we know about Shia is he's killer he just moved in from New York his dad works at the university and then he shows up and he is (laughs) baby-faced he does not have the same voice Nope. Marla is nowhere to be found because... Also, is this the only other Marla in a movie ever, aside from Marla Singer? That's a great call. None that I could think of at the time. I just thought of that. I mean, like, I, okay, this is this is a prequel to Fight Club, is what we're going to say. This girl grows <laughs> yeah, up well, to I be... I could see this girl growing up to have the same types of problems. She is all sorts of messed up. In eighth grade, she's going to whisper to someone, I want to have your abortion. Like, whoo, this girl is... She's destined for a dark <laughs> road. What we don't know if... Okay, so it seems like this group of kids has, like, a clubhouse like a gang, but it yeah. turns out that they're a band. It's not right. really a gang, it's a band, no. which is weird. Yes, because gangs are not G-rated. Like, you can't promote, like, hey, we're in a right. gang called the Cobras, like, we're gonna cut you or something. Like, I don't... They're they're a junior detective agency that yep. is also a band. They're basically yep. like Scooby-Doo, you know? Like, why fight it? It makes no sense. It makes 
no sense. And they also are hanging out at like Shredder's Lair from Ninja Turtles One. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's like you know one of those like rundown warehouses turned into a clubhouse. Well, they've got a couple different clubhouses, and we'll get into that. But the first one is where they are. They're, they're like this underground. What seems like like I don't know Shredder's Lair or like the basement of like a strip club. Like there's just neon <laughs> signs. And there's couches. Their main meeting table is like a poker table. Everything about it is strange. But they're interviewing him to join their gang, band, detective troop, whatever. And Shia's answers are, rule number one is that I never rat on my friends. Kids high five, great answer. And then they ask about, like, you know, if your teacher's being too annoying or, like, you know, she's bothering you, what do you do? And he says, I pretend to throw up all over my desk, making her leave in sheer disgust. And they're like, oh, cool, that's exactly what Derek used to do. And so, <laughs> like, wait, what? And then they're like, well, do you think that you could replace Derek? Like, this is like a kind of a comprehensive, like, they show like a pretty long interview. I'm like, do you think you could replace Derek? Because, like, Derek was pretty cool. And he says, I may not be as cool as him, but I have some tricks up my sleeve. Dude. Which, yeah, you are the world's greatest hacker, and you're 10 years old. <laughs> it's like they're giving him, it's longer than the Voight comp test from fucking Blade Runner at some points like it's more precise than that but yeah I think Derek had to move out of town because he was throwing up on his teacher's desk like that <laughs> just got in too deep like they had to like yeah. go into witness protection or something right started taking dumps in lockers or something like oh my that god that's so strange because they are trying to set up like yeah we're gonna just we're prankers like we cause trouble but then they set up no we solve crime so I am so confused well because Shia's initiation into the Cobras is I thought he was gonna have to steal a chimpanzee yeah because they go to like they go to the I guess the vet or like no no it's the the dog dog catcher catcher, it's it's like the pound yeah and there's like a pet chimpanzee I guess there's lots of animals like birds are locked up like these guys have gone nuts in between scenes like they've they're just any animal they see a snake a rabbit they're just gonna think it's a dog and bring it to the pound and they go there and I think that the child's gonna have to steal a chimpanzee but instead he just lets it out of the cage and the chimp goes into the, like the, the office like the clerical office and <laughs> just like throws papers everywhere and all these kids are giggling and then the two dog catchers we saw from the previous scene see what's going on and they're like kids this isn't funny but they also seem terrified of the cobras <laughs> yes yeah it, it seems as if the cobras are supposed to be 18 years old in this scene and that these guys are scared of them pulling again guns knives chains like that's how they're reacting they're like oh god it's the cobras do what they say and they're they're like oh yeah you know what and then they say something like you're right you should have let him out like this is a lot better or something like, like that can we please be part of your gang now and they're like yeah yeah, I guess so. It's like, oh, geez, thanks. Are you going to beat them in or sex them in? I'm like, Jesus. They team up, and then one of them goes in for a hug on Marla, and she, like, shuns him. And I was like, why are you going in for a hug on a 10-year-old girl? <laughs> like, there's all sorts of, like, unspoken creepiness things in this movie. Absolutely. I was just mad that the monkey gets left behind. I was, like, so perked up when that monkey came on screen. I was like, yes, it's 15 minutes, finally, the monkey, and... He's gone. Like, He's that's it. <sighs> So Shia gets into the gang on a 30-day trial basis, but then the the adults are now in the gang, too. Like, it's okay. And then we cut to prison and find out that, like, the guy's in prison for stealing a dog, and he says these kids are ruthless. 
And it's like, oh, okay, like, mm, all right. <laughs> and then we cut to the babysitter. And this is the first babysitter that we see, this, like, reasonably cute 90s babysitter. Mm-hmm. And she is just pounding down a gigantic tub of an ice cream sundae. Yeah, she kind of looked like Nikki Fox, is that it? She was on a couple of sitcoms in the 90s. or She kind of looks like she belongs in, like, Saved by the Bell or, like, Beverly mm-hmm. Hills, like, like, 90210. Like, it just yeah. seems like, like she's a girl that's too cool for, like, I don't know why that actress in this movie, but like, well, I do. Uh, it's because of Ted Fox. Like, it's oh, one probably. of his girls. You know, like he's oh. always. Sh- yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And so she got the speaking role because she's probably sleeping with him. Maybe I don't know. And so she's eating the ice cream sundae, and Marla freaks out because it's her. It's Marla's ice cream. And the girl's like, well, I'm here now, and what I say goes, and I'm watching this TV, and I'm eating this ice cream. And then they start to fight, like physically fight. And Marla... <laughs> like pulling you know, hair, like cat fight. Yeah, like, and Marla and starts to karate chop. Outsized, too. You know, this other girl's like twice her size. Yeah. <laughs> she's like beating on her. And then out of nowhere, the new babysitter, the police captain, police chief detective, bursts into their apartment or into their house. Oh, God. He like breaks them up. And Marla calls the girl a a total incomplete bimbo. And then he's like, you guys got to grow up. Oh, he says, I'm Harry Reynolds, the police captain. And you better get your (laughs) act together, young lady. And then, I think this is what you are talking about earlier, takes a can of whipped cream and sprays it on both their faces like we're in a fucking Bukkake movie. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Like, he basically just, like, facialed both of these girls, one of whom is 10 and one of whom is probably 16. Like, what is going on? <laughs> that was my oh my god moment where I yelled as loud as I could, oh my god. I couldn't take it at that point, pretty much, and just had to take a break. I needed a break from this. It was madness. It was just sheer craziness because that was intentional 100%, 100%. to be interpreted as such. Yes. And then, like any good porno, as soon as that happens, we cut away because there's nothing else to be seen there. <laughs> and we go to Shia. And this is Shia and his dad. And his dad's like, what are you up to? And Shia's like, I'm just trying to hack some code. And I was like, wait, what's going on now? And then the guy said, the dad says, whose platform are we trying to hack today? He says, oh, NASA. And then they say a couple different things. And then the dad is like, did you try to Trojan horse their Unix system? He's like, wait, wait, wait. I shouldn't be telling you this. He's like, by the time I was your age, I hacked NASA, the FBI, the CIA. They were all righteous acts of, oh, no, I shouldn't be saying this. Like, he's this weird, like, he is the craziest person in this movie. And yet somehow, maybe he was, like, abducted by the CIA and, like, put through some, like, crazy tests because he cannot remember any word. Like, he forgets Shia's name. He forgets, like, all these different words. And Shia, I guess, is so used to it that he, like, he just knows what his dad's gonna say. But man, oh man, this guy is bananas. <laughs> I love the idea that his dad was just, like, caught by the CIA like, in the 80s and reprogrammed and just, like, returned to his life of leisure in the suburbs and they just, like, keep an eye on him from time to time. But now his son is hacking fucking NASA? Like, I could not... Oh, I'm just hacking. Hacking away today. Oh, what you hacking, son? NASA. All right, good job. That's my son. No big deal. No yep, big deal. No big deal. Just hacking And then NASA. I also loved his rig where he sets his laptop up to his speaker and contacts his uh, chat buddy. Record, uh, record boy. boy. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a laptop 
And he also, in his bedroom, next to his bed, has a speaker on the wall, and the speaker has a cable that he has to plug into. Like, they, they go through such lengths to, like, make this seem believable. <laughs> like, why? Nothing else in this movie is remotely believable. You don't actually have to plug the speaker sound in. We can just pretend the sound is coming out yeah. of the laptop. Maybe in 1998, laptops didn't have speakers, but, like, I can't, I can't believe that's true. He, like, brings his laptop. He's like, gotta go connect on the net or whatever he says. And he goes, lays down on his bed, and just plugs the speaker sound in. Like, okay, why? Yeah, I'd, I'll be... I have no idea. I mean, and it's not like it, it's just a speaker. It's a microphone, too, because then he can talk back and forth with Records Guy and everything like that. And he can get sent quick little MIDI MP3s of cool record sounds and things. It's insane. I don't I don't understand it quite either, but, you know, I'm trying to roll with it. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> it's not easy. It's just constant what, why, how kind of stuff running through my brain. In a way, it was sort of refreshing <laughs> to just not know all the answers, you know, and not be able to understand and just, just surrender yes, surrender yourself exactly to the movie. and i think this was around the point where i just was sort of you know focused like you said like you have to be laser focused if you want to follow this because we're still only <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes in. yeah so i think at this point i was like all right i have to really get real about this and i'm going to just succumb to the darkness because there's no way that there, you you cannot beat this no, movie that's it like this movie will beat you it will <laughs> end you no matter what yeah this movie is Dude. undefeated <laughs> It all by knockout. There's no way that you can beat this movie. It's this was the third movie I watched yesterday too. So I, I watched Hounded, you know, which was the Shia movie we oh, we reviewed okay, yesterday. Yep. Then I watched the Herzog documentary, Happy People, A Year in the Taiga, which it couldn't okay. be more realistic if it tried. You know, like it was like as real as it gets. And then to watch this in contrast was just yeah, I was I was breaking under the weight. Like, if we didn't have more movies to record, like, this is kind of the movie that you should end your movie a day streak on. Because it's like, <laughs> there's nothing better. Like, yeah. you need to, like, sort of decompress. Like, this is, you know, I know that you've been going for almost 700, or, you know, 700 days or whatever, but, like, this is it. Like, Combo Breaker, like, you know, Monkey <laughs> Business is the end-all, be-all. Like, no matter whatever you watch today, it's not going to be as good as Monkey Business. I, I think you're absolutely right. I almost feel like I just deprived myself of a perfect ending there of some kind, because there's... <laughs> you could get close. I feel like you could get close, but once you've seen this, you'll never get quite to this level ever again. Like, any other movie in this kind of category is second place. Like, I just feel like this is the champ from now on. And then we... So, okay, so he's talking to Record Boy, and, like, they have, like, these, like, basically 15-second conversations mm-hmm. that they connect, and they voice chat, and they're like, Record Boy's like, ah, gotta go! And he just leaves, and, like, he plays, like, little, like, you know, weird couple little musical notes, and Shia, like, giggles, and then unplugs his laptop, and that's it. Like, that's the end of the scene. Then we cut to the guy, the big bruising guy from Night Court, who's out of prison now, and he's working at Burt's Burgers. He's like, what the hell am I working at a burger joint with people half my age? And he's so mad about it. But I was like, when did he get out of prison like there's some kind of big time because we see him i feel like the movie starts with him getting into prison yeah it did you know like he's out of prison now already and then tedesco the guy from cheers is also out of prison but they get out within two days of each other wait what like how long has this movie happened because by the way parents still not back from vacation Mm -hmm. so however long this was i don't know no 
Beats Beat 2, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to really go. I wish that we did get, like, three months later, two weeks later, or at least, like, a day later, or something like that, to give me, to ground me in some kind of context, because everything is just floating around in space and time for me at this point. And why didn't yeah. we get a funny scene at, like, the burger store or whatever? And Don't know. Why are we... Probably, they probably couldn't afford yeah, it. Yeah, probably. But why are we getting so much time with these two criminals, and they're just reiterating their plot over and over again like every time they meet up it's like the same scene in a different location and it's just more driving me insane and i think it's getting to night court guy as well because by the end of this he's gonna have had enough of this movie too and just proclaim i'm done with all of this i'm no longer part of this bad guy business thing but i don't know why they're driving it home so hard i mean g-rated movie kids don't want to see this shit they just want to see shia hacking stuff and their friends break dancing and practicing for the concert or whatever they're gonna end up doing it's just stay away from the adults i i i agree but also we get to find out wonderful facts like we don't know when he got out of prison but we know how that he had dirty pictures on the judge and so he blackmailed the judge to get out of jail. I guess he had some kind of, like, appeals hearing, and that he was just like, hey, like, you remember those pictures? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, you're free to go. Like, it just, I don't, all right, okay. Mm-hmm. G, you know, that G-rated blackmail with dirty pictures, you know. <laughs> right, but we cut from that to the babysitter boning on the couch, the girl, like, Marla walking in, and the police chief walking in and being like, what the hell is this? Get the hell out. You gotta get out of here. He should be studying something a little less private. I don't know what is happening, but this is when the babysitter gets fired, and this is when the police chief, police captain, detective, who clearly has so much other things he should be doing in this movie, he now becomes a full-time babysitter for Marla, basically becomes her dad for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and is even in community... Doesn't the dad say when they're leaving my police chief might stop by and say hello maybe later on the talks to the dad and he's like uh don't worry like i'm taking care of your kid for you i fired the babysitter mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what and oh and this guy also uh he's on vacation and he's doing this guy's on vacation too and he's doing this later on he'll be called in who's not on vacation at the police station <laughs> i don't know but he'll be called into the police station and i'm pretty sure the chief can't just go on vacation like whenever he wants right like you have to have someone replace you or something but no apparently not here but he chooses to watch his friend's daughter on yep. while he's on vacation when he's on vacation and likes it and likes it but the first act as babysitter is he's like i'm gonna order some chinese food what do you think is that the sort of thing you people do around here and i was like i was like wait who are you talking about you people like everybody is white in this scene like it's not like you're like being discriminatory but he says you people like it's some kind of like dirty put down mm-hmm. and then he calls the chinese restaurant and like he's like hey do you have something for like an annoying little girl platter and the girl's like hey like but what like what what yeah it's crazy. I think when he said you people, he might be referring to children, and we're trying to get the sense that, uh-oh, like, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, like, this babysitter's gonna suck too, that kind of thing going on, but then maybe just from his point of view, he thinks he's, like, being funny and bonding with her some way by putting her down? It's very strange. Like, these two should not be together either. This does not feel right. He, he's necking her. I mean, I think he's trying to hit on her. Like, he's just, like, putting her down, like, oh, you're so annoying. But then the next morning, she shows up the breakfast like in a pink do-rag for some reason and they're both eating three bowls of cereal <laughs> and then all of her friends show up he's just a 
busting on them for no reason, and, like, the only way that he'll let Marla go out with them is by fingerprinting them? Like, yep. what? Like, I I guess, like, that's kind of funny, but also, like, within the context of this movie, it's still, like, it's crazy. It's shady. Like, they could have definitely tried a lot harder to come up with better cop jokes if that's what they were really going for. I mean, wiping the finger thing, like, they just come out of the door, like, wiping their fingers with the ink on them and stuff. It's like, no, man, you could have, like, done some kind of lineup joke or interrogation joke. I don't know. I just, I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. Oh, God. So they go to their clubhouse, but they go to their other clubhouse, which is the Pound, and there's the monkey sweeping the floors and then dancing. Like They're doing, like, the conga. And there's one of the dog catchers is dancing with a snake around his neck, which, like, feels like a fever dream. Yeah. And they're singing, or at least the monkey business theme song is playing. It's just, like, there's no plot here. Just them having fun. And then we cut to Zipper Headley. And he's outside some kind of club. And he's with a bunch of girls who look like hookers. A limo picks him up mm-hmm. and goes away. And this is Tedesco, right? Yeah. And he's pretending that he's Bransom, or is he not? I, I could not I don't follow know who was what Bransom. Was really, I think what was happening in this scene, I th- okay, so what I thought was going on in this scene yeah. was that Jay Thomas just like picked this guy up and was like, you're going to go to these kids and like, I'm putting on a show, right? Isn't that what he said? You're going to offer them the gig? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I wasn't, oh, I was just like, okay, they're going to trap the kids with something. And that's all like i had no idea that he was impersonating somebody behind the scenes i did not pick up on because, that because like the hierarchy of this thing is there's this guy clyde branson who's like this Oof. international mogul Dude. who is ostensibly like the best person like he has like five charities he deals with like two orphanages like he is in every respect the best person on earth and tedesco i think although i'm not sure because this movie is confusing i think is trying pretending imitating ransom i think he wants to pretend i think i don't know but i think that's the impression he gives zipper headley and then he dumps zipper off in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and zipper's like hey that was my limo but like it wasn't his limo or like maybe it was his limo but like ransom quote-unquote ransom like tedesco was in there i have maybe no idea the joke he stole his limousine (laughs) i guess but then we cut back to the kids and the kids are still dancing except they're dancing now in the basement they're not dancing in the clubhouse anymore they're dancing (laughs) in the basement so they dance from one clubhouse house to the other and it is terrific but then zipper shows up with his hookers and he's just like hey kids got a concert for you yeah that was crazy that he brought those girls down there into the basement yes. and everything like that it was like posing them off in front of the other 10 year old girl like oh man well that's not a healthy run this guy was one of the movie's producers yeesh creepy as all hell i feel like ted fox as producer of this movie and co-writer was like i'll be in this movie if i'm always surrounded by these like i guess hot 90s women i can't tell like they just look weird and fake and gross well, i mean we're 18 years after the fact you know like i feel like he's yeah. like i'll do this if uh you know i can uh if i can be around these babes yeah probably but i mean it's just not appropriate is the other thing is what oh, i'm no, nothing but nothing in this movie is appropriate I suppose. So then, in that sense, the insane juxtaposition of what's happening, you know, between what's happening here, I guess, makes some kind of twisted sense. I mean, it's, you can't look away. I'll give it that much. You know, you just need to see what they're going to do next. 
it just keeps topping itself in that sense, I suppose. Absolutely. And Shia's not in favor of the concert bill, but everybody else mm-hmm. is into it. And so he calls up his friend Record Boy. I think he just wants to get a little bit of information on this guy and about, you know, Bransom. And just and Record Boy's like, I'll see what I can do. Zip, zip, zip. I'm out of here. But then we cut to, like, I know we're going scene by scene, but every scene, there's, there's no scene in this movie that is not insane. All of our <laughs> Shia episodes lately have been short. And I want to make sure, because I don't think the Christmas path is going to be good. And I'm almost like, I almost don't want to do, I mean, we're going to do it, but I almost don't want to do Nausicaa because it's not like it's out of order you know what I mean like it's just like a it doesn't feel like like this one for all intents and purposes is like the finale of all his movies I mean (laughs) there's stuff we're gonna do after this but I want to send this off in a big way so that's why I'm going scene by scene this podcast is gonna be exceptionally long but like everything about this movie is crazy and we cut back to the police chief police captain detective and he looks like he's dressed like a french baker now complete with like <laughs> the God. pastry hat and he's baking beef stroganoff but then like walks away to answer a phone call and then that one minute the stroganoff starts smoking like don't know it's just what yeah and the girl comes in and berates him for even trying yes. to attempt to take care of her too and is like i'll just take care of all the cooking from now on because i'm the woman of the house and where'd you get that ridiculous hat? And he's like, you don't like my hat? Oh, man, it's so weird. And she's just, the scene ends with her just so upset that the house almost got burned down. Well, she's so upset, but then we, the police chief, police captain detective goes to the precinct and he finds out that his friend, the guy that he's looking after, his daughter, is being framed or, like, you know, they found this bank account. And he gets so distraught that he basically becomes a child that now Marla has to cook for him. And they show him, (laughs) they show her cooking for him multiple times in this movie like she makes him sandwiches and she makes some other things and it's just like who's babysitting who here yeah he even gets wasted and they find him drunk on the couch with like a bottle of jack yeah like he comes home from the precinct and oh this was my one of my favorites like he comes home and he's like thinks he hears a sound he pulls his gun but his gun was in the holster on a chair the whole time so like he left the house with his gun out and didn't bring it with him to work or anything yep. he pulls the gun and it turns out that it's the girl practicing karate so he almost shoots the girl and yeah. she comes out and is like you silly and he's like I almost <laughs> killed you <laughs> then we cut to the basement clubhouse and they find out that they got like an eviction notice like which I guess that means that they own the basement I think it was that the building's gonna be condemned because they're squatters like this is the part this is the stuff from like the hardcore gang script is every time they're in this clubhouse I feel like they're treating them like crips or bloods or something okay I guess that maybe makes sense I don't I mean it makes as much sense as anything makes sense in this movie but again squatting kids like that's not G-rated you know that's something that's dark punks have to do because they run away from home and stuff like this is grim they're demolishing the basement clubhouse so they're like we have to fight the city but fight the city we don't have the time we have a concert coming up because they have to play for Bransom even though they have not played music at all (laughs) all they do all they've done so far in this movie is dance and so they're basically like hey don't worry about it we're going to hack into the city to cancel the eviction which what like what (laughs) what's amazing about the band stuff is there's not even instruments on screen i mean even steven's family was more of a band than this crew at least they performed a song at the end of that movie and shia was on drums and i was like band like no there is this is going to be like a lip sync contest right that's what they're i seem like they're going for it also they have the sense that like we don't need to practice we'll just get there and we'll win everything will just work out without even preparing or anything Mm -hmm. like that oh man oh man okay so then then this is the scene where he talks to record boy about finding out about Bransom. i think this is my favorite line in the movie and it's shia talking to marla 
And Shia says, hold on, it's my bud from England. And she says, England? Isn't that going to cost you a lot of money? And Shia says, I'm on the net. It's a local call. What? What? I love that mo- I love that line so much. I love, er- oh, man, I love everything about everything, especially mm. this line. Not only is this film having trouble interpreting how kids would act and react to certain things, but it's also trying to tackle the future of technology and, like, what's capable and where we're going to be in the future. I mean, we've seen stuff on Keanu Club, on Cage Club, on stuff when real movies try and, like, Hollywood blockbusters with money try and predict what's possible with computers and things like that. Like, this takes the cake. Like, they need to pay attention and see what's going on here. They got things right. I mean, sort of, they got, they got, they kind of got things right, though. Like, in terms of, like, voice, like, I don't know. I mean, it's, ooh, it is. Certain things. Certain things. Certain like, things. Yeah, certain things. Like, the whole chat buddy thing, that was really interesting, and just being able to solve a case online, I feel like that is kind of prescient as well, you know, like using the net to backtrack case files and do things like that. But yeah, hacking into government records and, you know, changing your eviction notice, give these guys some credit. I actually just have like a crazy thought, and I'm going to get to it after I say what I'm about to say, but they're talking to Record Boy, his bud from England, and they're like, Record Boy, can you look up about this guy Bransom? Like, we're supposed to play a concert for him. We basically need to know if he's the real deal because we got this other eviction thing, I guess, whatever. And Record Boy says, I get into records. That's why they call me Record Boy. And Shia says, I thought it was for your cool sounds. He says, well, <laughs> that too. But like his avatar is like a, like a head wearing like earphones, like headphones. And there's like musical notes all over the screen. Like it's clearly about musical records. <laughs> but he's like, no, I'm called Record Boy because like I get into records. What I just realized is, spoiler alert for the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but Record Boy is Bransom. Like, yes, it's the, whole the real Branson, yeah. Which which doesn't make any, like, it, it, he doesn't prove that. Like, okay, <laughs> but whatever. But also, like, they're, they're taking his word on who Branson is. And he eventually gets back to them and says, he's got these five charities, he's got these orphanages, whatever. He's talking about himself. So he could be, like, the head bad guy of all of this, right? And he could just be like, oh, yeah, Bransom, he's the best guy in the world. Like, let me just get into your good graces. Hmm. Nothing about, like, there's no way to, like, sort of, like, there's no double blind there. There's no way to prove to them that he's actually a good guy because he's just talking about himself. He could be lying. (laughs) Well, I don't think he knows someone's running around and impersonating him at that point, right? I think what they were trying to go for here is that we know Jay Thomas is the bad Branson, but these kids are getting confirmation that Branson's a good guy, but we don't know yet that it's a 90-year-old creep on the other end impersonating some younger you know record boy is the older real Branson who's like a really old scary looking guy but apparently he's a good guy so yeah so there's all kinds of confusion going on four or five different ways here so then we we cut to <laughs> Marla cooking for the police chief police captain detective I was writing down I was literally writing down who's the babysitter here and then in the movie, the police chief, police captain, detective says, wait, it feels like you're babysitting me. Like, he says the same thing that you're <laughs> thinking, which I can't tell if that's, like, terrific screenwriting or terrible screenwriting. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. It's either, like, super meta and amazing or just awful. I can't tell what it is. I think it's just coincidence. I do not want okay. to give... I mean, the one thing this movie does do that we haven't seen in a couple movies is it kind of stays on that one message for that character, right? That girl is all about, I can take care of myself. 
can take care of myself. Like, people try to take care of me, but I'll take care of them. Like, at the end, she gets kidnapped, so she's proven, like, no, look, you can't take care of yourself. Sometimes you have to rely on the help of others. But I feel like they really stick to that too much, maybe, to the point where this guy is going to just eat whatever she cooks. Like, it looks at one point like she just has taco shells or something and cookies. I'm not sure, like, she's even making real food over there. I don't know. But she's, she, I think she's stirring something in a pot. I don't know what she's stirring. Maybe she just, it just looks like she's cooking. How can, mm. we, how can we show that she's cooking? Oh, she's just stirring in a pot. But then she's telling him about how she read that, like, a 13-year-old girl has the emotional maturity of either, I don't know if she said a 15-year-old boy or a 50-year-old boy? I think probably 15. And the police chief, police captain, detective gets so mad, and he's like, why are you spending your time reading those trashy tabloids or whatever he says? She says, you mean the New England Journal of Medicine? Like, <laughs> why are you reading the New England Journal of Medicine? <laughs> oh, man, because this movie wants her to have been reading the Journal of Medicine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these guys are just, you know, they're gonna hate each other until they love each other. <laughs> it's a situation, but I don't get this dynamic one bit but isn't this also the scene after he stomps out he obviously throws down that confidential file for her to yep see you know as in as if to say like screw you take a look at this and it's the proof that her dad has been framed for embezzling money and stuff and now she knows that and now she's like oh no my dad is a criminal ah man i mm, I, I have uh, ooh, i don't but it just, just felt like know. he did it out of spite, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, like yes. he, he's like, oh, you're trying to cook for me, and then you're going to give me lip? It's like, take this. Like, your dad's a criminal. I do think that he's just so distraught. Like, he, he can't believe that his friend... Because he doesn't know if his dad's being... Or if his friend's being set up, or if he's actually crooked. I think he wants to believe that he's being set up. But he like his whole world is topsy-turvy. This is when I think he goes to the precinct, mm-hmm. maybe? Because he's, yeah. like, he's like, I'm the captain here... And don't you forget it, which, you know, straight up, like, Captain Phillips 15 years <laughs> earlier, like, I'm the captain now. And then he just, like, I guess he's so upset about everything that this is when he comes home and it's just, like, pounding a bottle of Jack on the couch. Isn't what happens that he goes to say, I'm going to clear my friend, and then the guy's like, well, I got news for you, pal. Like, you are also now right, yes, blackmailed. Yes, yes. For, like, we've got, we've got stuff on you. And that's when he's like, ah, oh, and he just leaves. <laughs> That's when he goes back to, I guess, where he lives now, which is Marla's house, <laughs> and just, like, pounding the bottle of Jack, and Marla and Shia show up coming from somewhere. She's like, I'm going to make some coffee, and Shia's like, I'm going to go check out things on my laptop. She can't figure out how to make coffee, so he goes to make the coffee, the the, the, the police chief, police captain, detective. He's like, he, he pokes his head back in from the kitchen, and he says to Shia, while you're on that thing, let me know if there's any news on recently released criminals. I think there's a website www.crook.com and then they cut to Shia's screen and he finds the site but it's criminal.com yeah it's not crook.com it's criminal.com which okay what like what? Like, what? The, uh, and he's using Nightnet Explorer. I thought that was kind of funny, too. But yeah, www.criminal.com, welcome to criminal.com, law enforcement site, and then there's just like a Google search bar. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Search for whatever crime, just keywords, and you're good to go. But this site finds out that Tedesco and that other guy got released from prison within two days of each other, and then some genius in this room says, this whole thing sounds like a Tedesco operation. Like, oh, okay. And then... <laughs> I guess because Wyatt, Shia Wyatt, is this 
computer genius, police chief, police captain detective is like, hey, can you check out Swiss bank accounts? He's like, no, we've already tried that. Why what? Why have you tried that? Just to see if you can like do that? Yeah, he's like zero cool from the movie Hackers. Like He is just going to hack databases for fun, just for training. Like He's training by hacking NASA. You know, after school in an afternoon, it's like, no big deal for him, you know? I've tried this, I've tried that. Oh, it's easy to get into the Kremlin, but not easy to get into the Tokyo servers. But, you know, so I'm sure Shia knows what he's talking about. Oh, I I know that he knows what he's talking about. He's a a genius. He's a super genius hacker. (laughs) I wish he had a better sort of call sign in this, you know? I wish they gave him a name. I feel like he has a name that they might have said once. I just don't remember what it is. Hmm. Oh, yeah, he does have one because Record Boy refers Record to Boy him calls as... Him some... one, yeah. Yeah, I don't I remember what it is, either. though. So while they're doing this, while they're looking into like the, the Tedesco stuff, the other two kids, Rico and... I still I, I keep X-ray. forgetting his name. Rico and X-Ray, they're at the Hall of Records. They go down to the town hall <laughs> to go like take care of their eviction thing. Yeah, they're like hacking from old school old school style like they're breaking into a building and going to like this certain computer to change the actual records it's not like they're doing it over the internet like Shia does these guys are like old school hackers and what's great is that it's like it's the movie trope of like just I need a little bit more time like buy me some more time (laughs) the way that they buy more time is that it's Rico who's hacking right and X-Ray goes out or is it the way around X-Ray's hacking X-Ray's hacking and Rico goes out because there's a, a man and a woman coming and he like runs out of the room crying and he's just like a gang of criminals like chase me in here and there's you know men in a gang or whatever and like I was so scared like am I in trouble for hiding in this room I'm like no kid like do you want a Snapple and I was <laughs> like where'd the product placement come from yeah. he's like yeah I'd really like a Snapple and so the guy goes to get a Snapple and then he's just like I'm really hungry too like I haven't eaten since last night can I have a candy bar and she goes to get a candy bar leaving this kid all alone in like town hall and then X-Ray comes out or he like pokes his head back in it's a it's mission successful they just run away and then the man and the woman come back they're like where were those kids and like it's like they were they were never here like they they, they were all just figments of your imagination and then we get what we haven't mentioned yet but we get what we get a lot of are some amazing wipes in this film such yes. as the, the page wipe that comes up quite often <laughs> that is amazing what we have not talked about is a lot of this movie is told sort of in voiceover from oh, Marla yeah. who's mm-hmm. writing in her journal in a park somewhere and it yeah. seems like that's happening after the fact but I don't know where that is I don't know when that is I don't know why that's happening. I don't know anything about those voiceover scenes. It makes sense within the craziness of this movie, but I don't understand anything about it. Yeah, I think if this were a better movie, like that would just let you off the hook as far as worrying about that character. Like, okay, she survived this. <laughs> you know, as dark as it's going to get, she survived and she's retelling the story of what happened. I mean, that doesn't come across at all. What it comes across to as me is that in between these scenes, like, she will go to the park and talk to herself about what's been happening and writing it in her <laughs> journal or predicting what's going to happen or just all kinds of random thoughts and stuff. But I think they're trying to convey, like, she is sending a letter to that kid who moved away or her friend that oh, died or whatever. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. But they don't do a good job of any of that in this no. movie. <laughs> no. She, she closes one voiceover with the line, here's where everything gets really weird. And I was like, wait, here's where everything <laughs> yes. gets really weird? Like, we're an hour into this movie, and, like, it's been everything weird for the entire time. But, like, she's like, basically, like, you ain't seen nothing yet. She and Shia, I think... 
mm-hmm. go to Tedesco's place? Which, yeah. why are you doing that? You're two 13-year-old kids. And then the voiceover says, we didn't even see the creep that grabbed us. Just like this grown man, like, kidnaps these kids. But then, out of nowhere, comes this cool karate oh guy to help us. Oh my god! Yes! And this what guy looks the like the hell? twins from The Matrix Reloaded. Yes! Of, <laughs> if he wasn't a ghost, he's got those kind of dreads. He's shirtless in the kids' movie. And, like, whenever he whips his dreads around, just like Willow Smith whipping her hair, it makes, like, whiplash sound effects. And yeah. he just beats the shit out of this guy who kidnapped him. <laughs> it was a total, like, karate cop moment, or samurai cop. Like, it was just insane. Like, he just drops out of the sky out of nowhere, like a superhero. What did he say? Something like, record dudes got your back? Or I, I were watching someone... No, because they don't know that, because they don't know that Record Boy hired him until, while he's getting away, he drops a Record Boy business card. Oh, that's what it is. Because I thought he had at least one line where he said, someone's watching out for you, kid. I think he says that basically they have a guardian angel, which we didn't say that, like, I mean, you mentioned the words earlier, but she keeps calling, Marla keeps calling the police chief, police captain detective, her guardian angel. He's the guy that, like, is saving her from the darkness, I guess. But there's now this guy is, like, saying, like, there's somebody else watching out (laughs) for you. She says, like, in a voiceover, like, we didn't know that he was hired by Record Boy to help him, like, to protect us. And it's like, okay. well, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. I think my favorite part of this fight, though, is when the bad guy clearly jumps off of a trampoline and does, like, a triple flip in the air and then climbs up this rope. The dreadlock guy from the Matrix grabs the good guy, grabs the rope and starts spinning it. And then you cut to the guy, the bad guy on the rope, and he's doing, like, a circus twirl. Like, Jordan would know what it's called, probably, but, like, he's got his arms on the rope and his legs sticking straight out and it's like twirling like as if they hired a professional rope artist to work (laughs) on this thing and it's just like what in the earth is going on and then uh, he gets pulled down from the rope and like knocked out or something and that's it but it's just right in the middle of this fight is like this performance on a rope and I just couldn't understand it it's it's amazing it's amazing and then we get back to the basement clubhouse and everybody kind of regroups, and they're like, don't worry, we changed the location for the demolition site. And I was like, how is this okay? Like, they're just going to raise <laughs> some other building. building. <laughs> I didn't know that's what they did. I thought they just sort of took it off the nope. record as they if changed to say it. they had to, yeah, because yeah, you have to replace you the would one. Think, you would think that they would just take it off the record, like, just be like, oh, no, we're not going to, you don't have to demolish this building anymore. But no, they're like, oh, no, like, they still need to demolish a building, and we're going to find out at the very end what building they chose to demolish. Oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot. But then Zipper shows up again with his hookers, oh, oh and he's God. talking like a speaking spell, and... <laughs> he's looking like a Dracula. <laughs> he's looking like a Dracula, and he's just like, hey, you guys are still on for whatever, and like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cut to Marla and the police chief, police captain, detective, guardian angel, and they both get kidnapped. I feel like it's by the same guy who the guardian, who the, like, the dreadlock guy beats up, right? Like, it's the same guy, I think, who kidnaps them. Yeah, basically there was this quick scene in between where the guy goes back and is like, I got my ass kicked by the dude from Matrix 2. Jay Thomas is like, I don't care, like, go grab them or something, because I guess they would know at this point that it's the detective cop 
living there now somehow. I don't know how they know which house to go to. Maybe I don't he know. just like caught up with the kid and followed him home. But as soon as Shia leaves, there's like a knock at the door. It's like the same guy that got his ass kicked is there and abducts him. And cut I to them tied up, bounding, gagged in chairs. I feel like maybe the way that they found them is from what we find out in this scene, where Tedesco and the guy from Night Court are fighting with each other because the guy from Night Court is having a change of heart. He's like, I don't want anything yeah. to happen to this little girl because I have a little girl somewhere. I've been looking for her. And Tedesco says, he's like, you know, I've, I've been looking forever and I could never find her. And Tedesco says, of course you could never find her. It took me about a second to find out where the little tyke was. And then Tedesco gives him an ultimatum. He's like, look, either this girl dies or your daughter dies. And it's like, Ooh. what? Like, where did that come from? G-rated movie. G-rated movie. That was insane, too, because it all gets dropped right there. It's not as if halfway through the movie or at least any scene, he's like, I got to get out of prison and see my little girl, or I got a little girl back home. I've got to get on the straight and narrow, or, you know, I, this is my last job so I could take care of my little girl. It's like at this scene when he's just like, I've had enough, his partner's like, oh, you know, like, I've just been waiting for this moment because I've had your girl, like, I've been keeping an eye on her for, it seems like forever like just in case he's had like this insurance policy like in his back pocket (laughs) and he's like in case i ever need to blackmail my own friend to finish the job he'll know like uh, i've got this one over on him that is just crazy like it all comes out right there one in one moment it's insane of all the crazy scenes in this movie like this might be the craziest (laughs) but they also tie up the dalmatian like, what the hell is the Dalmatian doing there? Why did they kidnap that? Was it kidnapped earlier in some scene that was cut? I don't understand that either. It's amazing. But then we cut back to Shia and his dad, who I completely forgot was in this movie. And then his dad's like, you ready to go to grandma's birthday party? Oh my Shia's god, like, this scene. Shia's like, I can't go. My friend's in trouble. And his dad is basically like... It's your grandmother's birthday. Like, you have to go, right? Like, what could be so important? And Shia doesn't even tell him. Like, my friend's been kidnapped. He's just like, Dad, I have to do what's right. (laughs) And his dad's like, oh, that's it. Like, (laughs) like, basically, like, they're on terrible terms now. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think his dad comes back, right? His dad doesn't come back for the rest of the movie. So, like, they're they're just on bad terms forever. Like, these two characters are just never going to make up in in the history of cinema. Like, his dad says, I expect you downstairs in two minutes. And then we cut to Shia, who ran away. He, like, has run away at that point and was like, sorry, Dad, this is more important. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, I don't know if you noticed, like, the great reactions Shia had in that scene. Like, his... I don't think so. Okay, so his dad is being, like, super serious. Like, right. listen, young man, like, this is your grandmother. Like, she's not gonna live very much longer. Like, we have to go see her. You have, like, this... It's family. It's family. And Shia's just cracking up. Just, like, <laughs> laughing in his face. And then doesn't say, you know, my friend's in trouble or anything. Just says... I can't go. I have, like, something more important to do. Yeah. Something that is more right than this. Like, this isn't where I need to be right now. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. And we cut to their pound, the, the, the pound clubhouse. That's where Rico and X-Ray and the two adults are hanging out, and they're telling jokes. And they tell the same joke that they told earlier in the movie, like, what's the difference between champ and chump or chimp and chump? And it's just, it's you. And they're all, like, laughing about it, and then X-Ray freaks out, and he's just like, this is no time for jokes. And then Shia shows up, and they're, like, going to trace the pager, and he's like, next, I uplink the telecom satellites and put a track on his pager. Oh, they're like, yeah. it's not connecting. I'm like, why isn't it connecting? And they said, well, either, like, the power's off, or the battery died, or maybe she's just dead. Like, maybe they're <laughs> dead. It's like, you... you <laughs> 
They're like, you, you can't say that. Like, that, we, we have to hold that hope. <laughs> Timothy, who is X-Ray, I think, is like, yeah. I have an idea. And he, like, basically tries to locate the last page or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he does. But then they're like, way to go, Timothy. Once a nerd, always a nerd. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I guess that's like, you know, they're taking the word nerd back. I guess so. Yeah, I love how they're they're doing all of this from the computer at the pound also. That doesn't appear to be online whatsoever. Nope. It just seems to be like a filing system. Yep. But Shia can do it. Well, Shia and Timothy together join their hacking forces and are able to triangulate the last... I think it's the last location that the page was, right? Yeah. So, like, the last time you got a page at that location, which I don't know if that was even possible back then, if you could do that. That seems fantasy, but I'm going with it. These kids are just like, who knows? <laughs> They're just given, like, whatever to do. It's just like, how can we resolve this? Well, we're super kids. Like, we could do it. It, ooh, it... Uh, and it also, like, even if it does work, like, they're only hoping that, like, he got a page where he is currently. Yes, that's the other thing, too. It's only going to give the location of where he was at the time of that page, not where he is now, where that pager is, which seems a lot harder to do than to actually trace where the pager is at present time. You know, like, if you're like, oh, this pager got a page from the Empire State Building at 3 p.m. seems a lot harder to do than the pager is now currently at the Chrysler Building. This is when they finally decided they're going to give up on the concert. They're like, well, Marla's in trouble. Like, we can't do the concert. And one of the adults is like, it's too dangerous, guys. And then one of the kids is like, I live for danger. Like, oh, okay. Like, we're just, we're all going to die now. (laughs) And then all five of them, like the three kids and the two adults, then go team up and they go to get Marla back. Which is great, like a uh, you know a kids and adult wacky time team up. Like this is exactly what I wanted to finish this movie. Yeah, go Cobras, basically, and they all go to the that warehouse. I guess it is the, the other warehouse, which the where the lair is, and they're all tied up. But they find out Richard Mole is secretly like gonna switch sides, so he's on their side. But then the kids sneak in, and a guy pulls a gun on him. Yep. He's about to shoot him, and yep. then pulls a gun on Richard Mole, puts it right to his temple. Yep. Luckily, Richard Mole pulls some like Krav Maga move and does like a judo flip to the dude and everything. But still, too much gunplay going on. Too much gunplay. But then, then the Night Court guy—that's Richard Mole, right? He has like yeah. a change of heart. And he's like, Marla, I'm going to save you. And she's like, well, what about the captain? Like, I can't leave without the captain. Like, you need to, like, he's my guardian angel. I can't go anywhere without him. Girl, just take the win. Like, take the victory. Like, get out of there. <laughs> Everybody just sort of keeps picking on Richard Mole. And then there's, like, these thugs that come in, right? And he, like, he, he knocks one down and then, like, stomps on them until they yeah. squish. Yep. Like, he's basically Negan turning people, like, to a bloody pulp <laughs> with, with his Lucille baseball bat in the movie Rated G. Like, we don't see it, but we hear him liquefying a human body. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It goes from, like, thuds to squishes. Yeah, no doubt. But then again, that guy did have a gun to his temple. So, I mean, maybe they're just, again, trying to counterbalance everything. This is the good kind of violence. Uh, And then what I also loved is the detective takes out a cigarette in front of all the kids (laughs) and is about to light a cigarette. And then they all look at him and he's like, okay, I guess I won't smoke this if you, like, really insist. Well, isn't that, like, the second time? Because, like, earlier in the movie, he, like, he tries to, like, light up and she's like, secondhand smoke is really dangerous. Yep, and he just doesn't care. Does not care. The the police chief, police captain, detective, guardian angel then arrests Richard Mole. Yes. Even though, like, in every other movie, he would have been like, just get out of here. Like, I never saw you part of this. (laughs) 
he's like, no, like, you still, like, kidnapped me, and, like, you know, you're blackmailing my friend and me, and, like, sorry, <laughs> yeah. like, I'll, I'll give, I'll put in a good word for you, but, like, you gotta go down for this. It's like, no, he doesn't. Like, he, he's clearly a reformed criminal. Like, let him do his thing. Dude, yeah, he just did his time, too. That's so funny. You're right. In any other movie, it just would have wrapped up so neatly and nicely, and he just would have been set free, but he's like, nope, you're an accessory. Like, you've gotta go down for your crimes. <laughs> like, this is, this is a G-rated movie, after all. We have to show consequences of our actions and everything. And then Richard Mullen's just kind of like, yeah, I guess I do have to, like, pay for what I did, and okay, if you insist, officer, I think I'll go with you. Okay, so this is where my notes stop to make sense. I think that's because the movie no longer makes sense. Like, they basically saved the day, but the movie's not over yet. And they go to play their concert, and the concert is presented by <laughs> Ted Fox and Jimmy Lifton present the Little Cobras. So Ted Fox the real-life producer and co-writer of this film <laughs> is a character in the universe where Ted Fox, the person, the actor, is playing Zipper, the character in the movie. So in this world, both Zipper and Ted Fox exist. Yeah, I wonder if they look alike or if someone else is playing Ted Fox in this world because Ted Fox is already playing Zipper. That's amazing. I did not catch that the first time around. What I did catch, though, is that apparently this is a presented by Billboard Live. Did you see that? No. Like, Billboard Magazine has like a big ad on the marquee underneath it does. the little video of the Little Cobra's logo thing. Of course it does. Of course it does. Oh, and here we get more mob gunplay stuff. Yeah, so then, like, we find out that maybe Tedesco is Mr. Bransom, even though we've, we realized later that's not the case. But then this guy turns around, and I wrote down, oh who's God. this Dracula Alan Rickman-looking motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Clyde Bransom. All this play acting is becoming extremely tedious. And at this point, I don't know who anyone is. Yeah. I don't know who anybody is actually supposed to be. I don't know who's people pretending they're supposed to be. And then someone says, I think it's time to flush these rats from the sewer. And that's when the real Bransom... Oh, God. Like, like Tedesco's thugs come in and they hold guns to people's throats, right? And mm -hmm. then Bransom's thugs come in and they're twice as many. And they all hold guns to... Brand uh, Tedesco's thugs' throats. They all get arrested, I guess? No, I think the implication is they're going to be taken out back and shot to death. Oh, like, God. Like, this guy turns around in that chair, and he looks like zombie Ray Liotta crossed with the Emperor Palpatine. Like, yeah. it is... I believe this is the real big bad in charge of everything, and we're going to get a twist where it's not over yet, and he's going to get his revenge on these kids somehow. But no, we're led to believe that he's the big good in this movie. That he's yeah. the guy who's been looking out for the kids all along. He's actually this philanthropist. He actually wants them to, like, he, like his thing is he flies around the world and, like, looks for teen bands to, like, promote and, like, looks for all these, like, young and up-and-coming talent. Like, what? Oh, God, it is insane. So is this guy, and I'm just thinking the name Branson, like, is this, like, the Virgin Atlantic guy in our universe? Like, is this who he's modeled off of, like, flying around the world? I guess. You know, I have no idea. And all that kind of thing. Because if so, they missed the mark on his image entirely because the one in our universe, our Branson, is not some end-of-Chinatown-looking kind of creepoid who's going to, like, abduct 
little children or anything right. like that. Like it is fright. It's like the most frightening part of the movie. Like it is seriously David Lynch incarnate, the really scary ghoulish character in his movie that always sort of pops up around a corner to frighten the shit out of you. And it's like here he is. He's just gonna turn around in a chair, and that is not a mask. He's like what you turn around the corner and like see when you leave the restaurant in the restaurant Winkies in yes. Mahon Drive. Like this yeah. is the thing that like terrifies that guy from the elevator in Speed. Like this right. is the ultimate night. Mayor. And no, he's like the he's like the head bad he's the head good guy. This is theoretically the end of the storyline. And so we cut back to the basement clubhouse, another dance scene, Shia breakdancing. Breakdancing windmills. Which is amazing. Amazing. And then Mr. Branson shows up. They're like, who are you? And they're like, oh no, not again. And he's like, no, 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 I'm Mr. Branson. They're like, no, sorry, we've heard that one already. <laughs> and the kid's like, I'm here to tell you this, mister, but my brother once had a card that said Santa Claus because he gives them like a business card with his oh, name on it. right, right. <laughs> and they're like, well, you need to prove to us who you are. And he's like, I've never had to do that before. And I was wondering, like, really, how do you do that? Like, how do you prove to someone <laughs> who you are if they're just like, no, I don't believe you? Like, what do you have to do to prove that you're that person? <laughs> That's pretty hilarious, because I was kind of wondering the same exact thing. Like, they've been lied to about identity theft and things like that before. It's like they're on super on guard and paranoid about who they meet now. It's like, are they going to be able to trust anybody at this point? At least if this guy can't convince them of who he is, it's like their point of no return. Like, they'll never be able to believe anyone ever again. The way that he proves who he is is that he says he's record boy. He, like, says all these, like, private facts to Shia from their conversations, and he, like, knows everything about everyone. That doesn't make things better. That makes things more creepy. That's worse. That's worse. That means that, like, he's trolling the internet for little kids to hang out with. I guess, like, that's enough to, to sell them on the fact that he actually is Mr. Bransom. Somebody says, I think we ought to get down to business, the record business. I was like, wait, you're not going to get down to monkey business? Like, well, <laughs> the name of the movie is monkey business. But like, no, they're going to get down to the record business. I don't know. So yeah. then the parents finally get home. Oh, my God. Things are okay. And then we find out at the very end, like, the last thing we hear in the movie, before we get to, like, characters, where are they now screens, which is crazy we're going to get to, instead of tearing down whatever building they're in, they set to demolish the school. And yes. not only did they set to demolish the school, but the school is actually being demolished. Like, nobody double-checked. <laughs> so they're all just, like, on leave from school while their school is being, you know, destroyed and rebuilt, which is insane. Dude, that is some Project Mayhem shit right there. That's all I know. 100% (laughs) prequel to Fight Club. And then we find, like, the Where Are These Characters Now screens, which, this is a fictional movie. These these people, (laughs) it's not based on a true story. We don't need to know, we don't need to know where these people go, but we still find out, like, everybody, and, like, I think somebody, like, the the one detective is still missing? He, like, hasn't checked in? (laughs) We should, can we read a couple? Did you write any of these? I didn't write them down, no. I could read, I could read a couple if you want. Okay, yeah, please. Okay, so Richard Mole's character, whose name was just simply Leader. Okay, I wrote down Leader, but I wasn't sure if Leader was actual. Okay, yeah, but okay. Okay, so he found his daughter, and they now live in Las Vegas, where he works as a professional wrestler. Yes, that's a happy, happy ending. So that's what he's up to. Okay, so the two guys who worked at the pound, George and Louie, got jobs training animals at the circus. Yes. That's not cool. No, but I mean, it's it's what they want to do. But they just, like, nowadays they'd be out of the job because didn't they just release all the animals from the circus or something? They're not doing that? Anyway. Okay, yeah, so, okay, Detective Bedinger, which is the name I of the guy... F- 
from the Yeah, that's the guy with the Dalmatian, right? Yeah, him and Vulcan, who is the dog. Right. Their whereabouts are unknown, and they haven't called in. But we've seen Vulcan as part of the finale. Because isn't that detective, isn't that Marla's dad? That's what I thought, but apparently not. There's just a third cop? I I guess he was just some other cop that was just in that scene. So there are three cops. Okay. Clive Bransom. It's currently yep. circling the globe in a yep. hot air balloon. He's yep. still looking for the next great team band. Yep. Of course he is. Captain, who's just known as Captain. Okay, this is Guardian Angel, Detective Captain Sergeant. Uh, opened up a donut franchise called yep. Angels and is mm-hmm. doing very well. Which is like, get it, because cops like donuts. Right, and he was the Guardian Angel. Yep. So, Angels Donuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tedesco is serving out a term in the Louisiana federal prison folding linens. Now, why would he be going to the Louisiana federal prison if he Don't was know. in California getting arrested? Maybe there's some kind of prisoner exchange. I have no idea. The Cobras, they recorded a hit single called Monkey Business. Their yep. school is still being rebuilt. Of course it is. We also actually get the whereabouts of Zipper because he has to, you know, Ted Fox and has to what's Zipper himself, doing? shout himself out. So Zipper got a job as a waiter at the Hard Rock Cafe, and he is still searching for Mr. Branson phone number. Oh, right, 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 right. That's what he's up to. Oh, and we get one more, actually. There, there's a final thing here, and it's um, the monkey. So the monkey's name apparently was Ralph, and Ralph was hired by Graber Family Films to direct all their motion pictures. I take it that this is the Graber Family Films production as well? Or? I don't know. I'm going to look that up right now. What is that supposed to mean? I don't understand that. No, I don't think... I think that's just like a... Oh, yeah, because Evelyn and Roy Graber are the writers, I guess, or executive producers, or Marlon Graber. Oh, God. There's a lot of Grabers involved here. But, yeah, that's... So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's monkey business. Yeah, so this is far and away... This is the only episode of all his movies that's longer than an hour, and we're, you know, <laughs> closer to two hours than we are to one hour. And I think it's longer than the movie itself, so you might even be able to watch this mostly as, like, an audio commentary track <laughs> the fact you could just pop it on to. Oh my god, I, I love this movie. I almost, like I said, I don't want to do Christmas, but we're going to do it. We have two more episodes of all his movies, and then we'll see if we can do Man Down in some form, but, like, we're, we're hurtling toward the end. We're, we're, we're rapidly mm-hmm. approaching the climax of this and uh you know it's uh it's it's been a ride and this is this is almost like the perfect way to wrap things up i think yeah definitely i think you could tell or over the past few episodes i was starting to crack more and more lose it a little bit just at the rate that we're going it's just much faster than what we've been doing keanu for and i don't know just watching these last few movies just the quality has degraded drastically like it's just such a leap backwards that it was Mm -hmm. hard to reassociate myself at times but it just makes perfect sense that this would be here at the end of the tunnel (laughs) like that after all that like it's almost like all of his movies was saying to me like you know look who's laughing now like you thought this was going to be just fun or a funny idea to backtrack like Shia did and everything it it was a mix of be careful what you wish for with like finding a light at the end of the tunnel as well you know because it's like this isn't a great movie but it brought so much pleasure to me when I needed it the most and just kind of reaffirmed that this was the right thing to do absolutely I agree that like you know there was a, there was a rough stretch there when um we uh when things when things were dire things were uh pretty dark 
but we uh, we, we, we shouldered through it. <laughs> we got the monkey business. This is a movie that I'm going to show everybody who will sit down for 90 minutes and just say, okay, just watch five minutes of this movie. And if you're if you're not into it after five minutes, like we can stop. But like if you're into it, like it's 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 a ride. It's this is everybody needs to see this movie. Yeah, I think this can officially find a place if i had one on like my cult movie shelf you know like next to my troll twos and next to my the best of the worst movies that i like and i think it's like a reigning champ in that department too as well i mean i don't know you know i don't think this is a good movie a good g-rated movie for kids but this is a great movie for adults to watch that (laughs) want their minds blown basically at the you know what could happen like what could go wrong with making a film in a, in a way, you know, like what, what is the difference between a, a good movie and a bad movie, you know, quality wise. And it's like, here you go. Watch this. This is a bad movie uh, unequivocally, but it's one that you can actually look at and enjoy. And just sort of, like we said earlier, if you can succumb to the madness, I think you'll have a good time. Absolutely. It's definitely one to recommend. I agree wholeheartedly. For all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see all the different shows on the network. You can hear all the episodes we've done for this podcast and for other podcasts. You know, it's December now. Christmas is coming. Give the gift of the Cage Club Podcast Network to your friends. You know, it's it's friends and loved ones and family. Like, share the wonder of monkey business with those you love. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I've got an ill-